please be advised that this episode does include frequent mentions of mental illness and suicide. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Hello and welcome back to the Us Now podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Helmendaller. In Us Now, I speak with students and faculty from Louisa County High School about different social issues pertaining to high school students today. If you would like to support my project, you can go to Instagram at usnowpodcast, where I give updates and reminders for new episodes. You could also give suggestions for new episodes or constructive feedback by clicking on a Google form linked in the description. Thank you in advance. In today's eighth episode, we're talking about mental health. Could you all introduce yourselves? I'm Katie Harris. I'm a senior. I'm Nora Coleman. I'm the Region 10 Crisis Counselor with Louisa County Public Schools. I'm Max Montana. I'm a junior. Chad Bonovich. I'm a teacher at Louisa County High School. So the U.S. Surgeon General reports that one in five individuals will experience some kind of, quote-unquote, significant mental health condition. So I think there are a lot of different definitions as to what a mental health disorder could be. Um, do you have, uh, Dr. Coleman, any like um, examples? of like common ones that you see, especially in high school? Sure, um, I think in high school, anxiety is really um, super common. Yeah, and whether it you know rises to the level where it's an official anxiety disorder, um, you know, that's, it's, sometimes it rises to the le- that level, but I think most people struggle with anxiety, at least at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, also depression, um, anxiety and depression kind of go hand in hand, um, and so, a lot of students face both of those together, um, or just a lot of people in general, not, not necessarily just students. Um, I think autism and ADHD and, um, yeah, there's a whole spectrum. There's just tons of um, different disorders, but I think um, anxiety, depression are the two kind of biggest ones that mm-hmm. we see. And can you kind of, like, categorize mental health into things that, like, because I know sometimes mental health doesn't necessarily mean that you could be diagnosed with something. Maybe you could just say, like, my mental health is kind of suffering today. So are there different categories of, like, what is and is not considered? Yeah, I think it's a, um, I think it's, it's not like a, you have mental health or you don't. I think it's a continuum, uh, and m- most people experience um, times in their life when they have, feel like they have a really strong mental health, and they do things to kind of, like, they have a lot of coping skills, and they have a lot of um, things that they do that, that help them to deal with stressors in really healthy ways. And then also, I think a lot of people experience times in their life when they're maybe not making the best choices, and their mental health is more struggling. Um, but it's just a continuum of, you know, really healthy to not so healthy and not necessarily like you have mental health or you don't have mental health kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll just ask generally, like, do we think that mental health has an impact on physical health and what can that manifest as? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it, it, in my case, um, I know that I've struggled with like, you know, anxiety issues and depression issues. And I don't want to say like I have depression cause I've never been diagnosed, but I have dealt with a lot of, like, depressive episodes, and it um, makes me, like, not want to eat, or it makes me not want to get up and move, and I have gained a lot of weight since middle school, um, and that definitely has had an effect on it, for sure. I know, personally, for me, I carry stress in my shoulders, so, like, and, and it turns itself into a migraine, so if I'm carrying stress and feeling anxiety towards something I, I can feel it and I can feel it coming on and it's going to turn into a migraine for me mm-hmm. so I mean that's personally for me but I know there's a lot of kids that it shows itself in different ways you know they don't sleep well or you know don't eat well or whatever it is mm-hmm. it just it, it shows itself but we all have different ways I guess of, of seeing it yeah. I think that um, absolutely there's a connection between mental health and physical health and um just biologically we have the polyvagal nerve which runs from our our brainstem down our down our spine and then wraps around all of our intestines and so that is really you know it connects neurologically what's going on in our brains to the rest of our body um so you know it just makes sense from a like biological point of view that we would feel stress and feel anxiety and feel depression like in our bodies the the term gut brain it's it's a real thing because we have you know blood vessels and nerve endings and stuff in our in our gut that's actually linked through this polyvagal nerve to our brain um 
and this isn't my area of expertise, so I could be not using the exact right terminology here, but um, definitely is, um, I think, research supports that physical health and mental health go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of times in schools, the school nurse is the one that first sees students when they're having uh, maybe something's going on mentally or emotionally, but they go to the school nurse because they have a headache or they have a stomach ache or they, you know, they um, feel really tired or they don't have an appetite or they have they're not able to sleep and all those kinds of symptoms I think are kind of like the the first signs uh, um, that maybe there's more going on there. So I think. A lot recently, well not recently, but in the past there's been a big stigma around mental health and talking about mental health. Um, and I think, I don't know, do you, would you say like the, the proliferation of social media has kind of helped, has kind of helped that stigma and like are we kind of more talking about it than we used to? Do you see that? I definitely see it um, a lot in social media and I think every year it gets more and more like this year is the year for self-love like mm -hmm. I see it all the time and like so many people talking about their experiences and what they've gone through in the past year and it's you, you definitely see it I'm sure a lot more than people used to in social media right. yeah. and so does it improve with time or like um, I guess just a more general statement what effect can school have on mental health For me, I've seen my classes have just gotten harder and harder and harder as I've gone through high school. But at the same time, I don't know if that directly correlates to how I handle all the stress. Like, right now we're in exam week, so it's just been a lot of sleepless nights going and looking through my notes and kind of just lost stress in that respect. But I know I haven't really done this exam week the same as maybe last year around this time or the previous year. So I'd say I've, I, I think I've been able to advance my like ways of doing that in some respects, but not really. And then so can it improve over time? Like once we get out of school, does mental health improve generally? Or like what, what effects does yeah. that have, I guess? Um, I think it's all what, what people make it. I think the nice thing about the school, and like I knew this is my first year at Louisa High School, but I've been so impressed at kind of the emphasis that Louisa schools in general puts on mental health and, um, and supporting each other and like with the whole kindness campaign, you know, just like reaching out and noticing if people are struggling and um, providing that emotional support to each other and encouragement. Um, and then with the different assemblies that, that we've had that have addressed mental health issues and um, we've started a mental health advisory board with the students to kind of talk more in depth with about these topics, um, which Jenny, you're part of that, so so you know. And we're looking at, um, you know, what else can we do? Because we do want to reduce the stigma of mental health um, issues. We want students to know that they're supported. We want this to be a place where people feel like it's a family and that they, if there's something going on with them, that they have people that they can reach out to and that they're not alone. Um, back to your original question, does mental health improve after high school? You know, hopefully as you mature, things things continue to improve, but I also think there's such a benefit of being in a, like a school setting that really emphasizes family and community and connectedness um, that maybe sometimes after you graduate, you might not necessarily have that. You know, a lot of times, sometimes people are a little bit more isolated after they graduate. Um, so one of the benefits of being in a school is to have that collaboration, you have school counselors here, you have teachers that are noticing if you're seeming off, you have friends around you, um, so I think there's a lot of benefits to um, addressing mental health and, and teaching ways to positive coping strategies for students so then that once they graduate they can be more successful with, with managing their mental health. I think social interaction is definitely a key, like having that person yeah. to just talk through things with, you know, like a boyfriend, a girlfriend, just a friend, just somebody that you can kind of bounce things off of and they can bounce things off of you, like that is very important. You know, like, I mean, I know with my wife, like mm -hmm. I'm able to talk to her about things that I'm feeling and if she wasn't there, like it would be hard to find somebody to talk to about that stuff and you just kind of hold on to it. And, you know, for me, I know I hold on to things and don't tend to let them go. So it just kind of builds and builds and builds. and. Um, you know, 
the fact that I can do that with her, it's it just kind of like it just I release it, you know, a little bit so it doesn't build up, you know, and it you know as you as you graduate from high school you hopefully have those people that you can do that with and that's 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 what I've found to be really important is that you, you can't hold it you can't you can't like suck it in mm-hmm. and expect it to get better because you need to you need to talk about it with somebody in regards to like it improving with time um in my experience it's it's there's a there's a difference between the mental health you're like your mental health or maybe your your disorder improving with time and the way you handling it the way that you handle it improving with time um like I have recently started feeling like a lot of like you know like I don't want to do anything today I don't want to move I don't feel like getting up um and there's a lot of like I've, I've been having a lot more depressive episodes like I would more in middle school and you know I started feeling and I was like I thought I was done with this I thought this was over like I thought I had gotten through that point in my life um but I I, I'm I'm glad now that I recognize those things as for what they are and I can handle them better than I used to yeah so yeah connecting off of that um this is another pretty broad question so in the classroom setting like and especially with making friends how do you recognize that something is wrong? Because obviously all mental disorders, mental health, people in general and specifically, they have symptoms that aren't the same from person to person. Mm-hmm. However, how can you really recognize that something is wrong and maybe it's something that should be addressed by a professional? I'm, I'm the type of person where I'm such an empath. <laughs> I'm such an empath. Um, and I... I personally find it pretty easy to notice when something's off about somebody. Um, Noticing behavioral changes, body language, um, and, like, maybe they're a little little more quiet than they usually are. Maybe, like, they can't can't seem to focus or, you know, their listening skills aren't as good. Um, But little things like that that are, when when you look for them, uh, easier to notice than you think. I think you made a really good point about it, the, noticing the change in behavior, because um, people are so individual. You know what, you know somebody might, yeah. It's just to notice the change in, in individual behavior. I think is is key, um, and and then like there's a whole campaign out right now. It's actually geared towards college students, but it's ta- it says embrace the awkward or seize the awkward. I think, um, and it talks about once you notice that there's something off. Um, you know, I think it's human nature to just be kind of like shy away from it because it can feel kind of uncomfortable. But once you do notice that and you're picking up on, on that maybe there's something going on, to not be afraid to reach out and talk to your friend about that. Like, hey, is everything okay? And then really listening. And, and if they say, because a lot of times people will be like, yeah, it's fine. And be like, is it really fine? Are you really okay? Because I've noticed that, you know, you haven't been coming around as much anymore. You haven't really been responding to my texts. You haven't been you've been sleeping in class. You know, you haven't been doing these things that you used to do or used to find enjoyable. So just really, once you do notice or have an idea that maybe something's going on with somebody, not being afraid to reach out to them, and, and even though it might be a little bit awkward at first. One thing that uh, is really, really important that you know, my friends have done for me and I've done for my friends before is, like, even if you know that they're totally fine, like, nothing's gone on, you haven't picked up on anything, it's just a normal day, literally just texting your friend and being like, hey, are you feeling okay? Like, it doesn't have to be prompted. It, it never has to be prompted. Nothing has to, you know, nothing has to be a red flag. Just ask your friends every now and then, hey, are you feeling okay? How was your day? You know? Yeah. Helps a lot. I think in the... When, when classes start and I'm getting to know the kids, it's, you know, in the first week, I can't really tell if something is bothering somebody. But as I get to know the kids and, you know, it happens with every kid, they show it in a different way. You know, a kid might speak out when they're usually kind of quiet or a kid will put a, a head down when they're usually engaged most of the time. Um, and it could just be something like they walk in the door and usually... You know, I try and say good morning or good afternoon to everybody that walks in the door, and I say good morning, and they don't say anything when they walk past me. You know, and I, you know, I try to notice those things, and it's hard as a teacher to kind of 
talk about those things in the classroom. But I might just say, you know, on the way out or something, hey, are you doing okay? You know, like, just checking in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes they'll talk and sometimes they won't, and that's just up to the kid. Um, and sometimes it needs a little bit more than I can give them. <laughs> um, but, you know, just having somebody check in, you know, like you said, Katie, it's, 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 it can be a big deal to somebody just to say hi or just to say good morning or just to smile even. You don't even have to say anything. I remember and sometimes that could be a big thing. I remember one time, uh, this is just like a cute little thing, but I remember one time when I was in your class and I, I was really frustrated and I could tell that you noticed um, but I, I, I wrote down the answer on the board and I was so mad and I almost scribbled it out and I like put like seven question marks and you came over and you were like, that's the right answer. And you crossed out my question marks and put a big exclamation point. <laughs> like, I still remember that. And I'm like, Mr. B's like a legend. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's also important to note, note that like if someone is having issues with mental health, it's not necessarily at a cause of one specific thing, or like, um, I'm not an expert in mental health, definitely, but I know I have like you know I have friends who have had issues with mental health, and I think I've read up on it enough to say that like it's not just a cause. So, yeah, um, Max, have you kind of had experiences like with dealing with other people with mental health, or like have you been able to sort of see signs or recognize? different things that might tell you that something's off? So for me, I've found that the classroom setting itself like has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. I've found certain classes of mine, I still, it's almost the end of the semester, I still haven't really had a full conversation with a couple people in some of my classes. And whereas a couple other classes, I know everyone in there pretty well. So with that, the other thing I've found some people just have, like, a bad day here and there, but I guess as Katie kind said, recognizing the patterns with people, like, and then they suddenly change at a certain point, that's a very important thing to note. But for me, I, I always kind of try to be able to engage with as many people as I can, like, just saying hi and trying to be able to recognize that kind of thing. So I know I said earlier how mental health has had such a stigma in the past, and I'd like to ask kind of just why. Why has mental health just had so much of a stigma, and why do people just not talk about it? I think, um, I mean, of course I can't really say much because I didn't live through any of the... I've only been alive for 17 years. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But I, I feel like a lot... I mean, from what I've heard from, like, my dad and, like, the way my dad grew up, it was just kind of, like, suck it up and deal with it, you know? <laughs> like, for, for a long time in his, in, in, his, in his childhood, you know, there wasn't a lot of, like, like, oh, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? Do you want to talk through it? It was just kind of like, you're, you're a strong boy. Don't worry about it. You're all right. Just suck it up, you know? I, I feel like it, there's, there was a lot more of that in previous years than there is now. I think, you know, historically in this country we've institutionalized people that had really extreme mental health issues, so you just didn't see it. Um, And now there's, you know, there's been a move to, we don't really hospitalize people for mental health issues for long periods of time. You know, very rarely do we, are people hospitalized for long periods of time for mental health issues. And so it's, we're starting to, I think, as a society, be better, better at treating it and better at accepting it and seeing it in our communities and recognizing that people have different struggles, you know, and um, mental health struggles is just one type of, you know, some people are are handicapped, some people, you know, we just all, each have different things that we battle in life, and so I think we're getting better as a society at um, being inclusive, um, but I also think it's still really hard because to share mental health struggles, it requires you to be vulnerable, and that's hard for people to do, um, and it's not... I don't think that that's really society, I don't, I mean, it's just my opinion, I don't think that that's so much society's impact is just, like, the human condition. It's, it's hard to be honest and admit our weaknesses and admit things that we struggle with. Um, it's easier to kind of put on a, a mask and be like, everything is good, like, I'm, I'm good, I'm strong, like, I can do this, I can, you know, no, I don't need anything, I'm, you know, and I think that's just 
um, more comfortable for most people innately. Um, so I think it's twofold. I think it's their their society has contributed to the mental health stigma just by the way historically we've treated people with mental illness, and still to some degree treat with people with mental illness. But also it's just kind of innate in that it's something that is hard to disclose. So. So I find that some people like just don't understand mental health and that kind of thing enough. And I think that's probably one of the main reasons there's a lot of stigma still around today. I mean, you look as uh, as was mentioned, like previous generations were like kind of just suck it up. Like, so a lot of people were still raised by those people and mm-hmm. never really had it. They either didn't really have many issues with mental gr- mental health growing up, or they kind of had to have that a bit suppressed by some of those like older generations and that just kind of creates a that kind of created in a lot of people I feel that kind of stigma some people are more accepting open and I hope that's kind of where we keep going as a society but as long as those kinds of ideas are still around I don't know if we'd ever really be able to fully accept everybody well if you've grown up that way it's hard to break the cycle you know like you you know, if that's what you're used to, it really is hard to come out of that and see another way of doing things. You know, I, I mean, I've experienced that in my own family, just seeing how people deal with things. Um, but that can be really hard. <laughs> you know, dealing with mental health, parenting, you know, things like that. Like, you just, you have these different styles and ways of dealing with things, and you just, that's what, what's what I've always done. That's what my dad did. That's what my mom did. You know, so you just kind of end up doing that thing because that's what you've seen and it's what you're used to. I know personally, like even my parents, um, sometimes on the news or something, they'll talk about something with the mental health or mental health community. And I've had my parents before go like, oh, there's, you know, there's a whole community for it now. And it's kind of like, oh, well, yeah. And then I have to think like, wow, well, when they were children or when they were teenagers, they didn't have that openness. So it's kind of, it's interesting to think like people who are older if when they have mental health they just don't recognize it as something that can be fixable if they just kind of think of it as something that's just part of life and that it's something that we can just deal with head on um yeah I mean it's really interesting so yeah we talked about how mental health how we can recognize someone's mental health as not being okay at that moment so how can sometimes the school system or how can the way we learn or just our regular life experiences if we don't catch that someone is having issues with mental health what effects can that have i see certain like certain people can really feel isolated like if they don't really get the help that they need if they don't have a friend that they can vent to all the time people that don't really have that that kind of just lets it kind of those feelings bottle up inside them and I feel like that's where, like, we really need, as a society, try to work a bit more to fix and prevent that from happening, because that can really cause more issues than, like, really necessary. You look at a lot of, like, recent, like, horrific, like, things in the news recently, like a lot of those, uh, I guess, what's a good example? Uh, Shootings. Shootings, yes. Kind of troubled individuals that never got the attention that they really needed for a lot of the things they had going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that in, at least in, you know, this school, um, that I've often, like, kind of, like, decided not to go to the counselor. And, like, not that I have anything against any of the counselors. They're all very nice people. And, you know, they they, they do their job well. Um, but I think that the school gives the counselors a lot of jobs that, you know, takes them out of their office. And it's just always happens to where I'll, I'll go to, I'll like, okay, well, maybe I just need to talk to somebody for a little bit and I'll go in and they're like, sorry, she's not here. And it happens almost every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have seen that so far as like pretty much one of the only issues that this school has. Because like, I know that they put such an emphasis on it and it's like wonderful that they do, and it's wonderful that the counselors are so nice and like willing to help. Um, but like, almost any time I've gone in, 
like they aren't there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's you know one of the reasons they recognized that all the many roles and responsibilities that the counselors have to do. And so that's one of the reasons why they, Louisa hired two crisis counselors this year with, in, in partnership with the Community Services Board, is so, you know, there is somebody available that, you know, when students are in crisis, they come in, they're upset about something. And, and the word crisis is that, I don't really like that term too much, but, you know, it's just what you were saying, like you're having a rough day, you just need somebody to talk to in that moment. Um, and so I would just encourage you and all the other students that might be listening, if that ever happens in the future, please don't just go away, you know, say, I need to talk to somebody, and it, whether or not it's me or another counselor, mm -hmm. like, we, we want to talk to you. We don't want students to be out there being turned away because they feel like somebody's not available. Um, we will definitely find somebody to be available and talk with you. And I'm pretty sure our school has a, a kind of a higher counselor to student ratio than a lot of other schools do. So we're really lucky in that. Mm -hmm. However, it is true, Katie, that yeah, um, there are a lot of jobs of the counselors. Yeah, and I know that they have a yeah, lot to do. And there's just a lot of students. So I will say, like, I, I have people I know who um, maybe they've had a bad experience with the counselor, whether it be in high school or middle school, and sometimes that will sort of turn them off for, from wanting to seek help. Um, so I guess what would you say to someone who's kind of had that negative experience? With like any counselor? I guess with any counselor, but yeah, especially here at the school. Um, it's just like, I, I, I only went to one like professional counselor that I paid to, mm -hmm. you know, talk with. Um, and I, I'm one of the people who has had like a kind of rough experience. Mm -hmm. um, she was very nice. It's just like, one time, like, she answered her phone in the middle of one of our sessions and, like, kind of gave the, oh, no, I'm not busy kind of answer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, um. <laughs> um. And I remember, like, she would have me go home and, like, oh, write ten things you like about yourself or ten things that help you cope. Um, and I would come back and we would talk about, like, oh, I've been having a rough week or maybe this, you know, I, 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 I'm just not having a good time. And she would always bring up, like, almost every time I went to see her, maybe you should try exercise. And I was like, I have tried exercise. It's not great for me at the moment. It kind of just makes me, like, not like myself more because, I, you know, I'm not good at it. Um, and I would tell her that, and every time I came in, she's like, why don't you try exercise? And I felt like I wasn't being listened to. Yeah. Um, but I know that there aren't, like, not all counselors are bad, clearly, because not... I mean, you, that's like saying all people are bad because I had this one experience with a bad person. Um, so just, I mean, what I would say to somebody who's had, like, an experience that I've had, um, just, like, keep looking. Um, I haven't gone to another counselor since then, but I've, I've recently been looking for another counselor to go to, and I just, like, I, it kind of makes me want a better counselor more, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, I yearn for, like, a really good connection with a counselor where, like, you, like... I can come in and sit down on the couch and be like, you don't believe the week I've just had, you know? Like, like it's a friendship more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice, like, not to give up. Because there are some, you know, you don't connect with everybody, and there are, are some counselors out there that, you know, maybe aren't, aren't the best. Um, and so if you go to somebody and you don't have a positive experience, you know, don't give up. It doesn't mean that all counselors are, you're not going to have a good experience anywhere. Um, it just might mean that that person wasn't a good fit for you for whatever reason. And also I would encourage you, like, if, if you're comfortable in that situation where you're in it with a counselor and you're not feeling heard, like, like you said, if you can share that with the counselor, which I know is hard to do, but if, if you would feel comfortable enough sharing that, that would be so helpful, I think, for the counselor um, to know how they can better help you. Like um, feedback. Feedback, exactly. Um, and I think when you when you start counseling or you go into counseling, going in with a goal of, like, you know, what do you hope to get out of this? Are you hoping that... Are you wanting somebody to just listen and just provide you with like empathy and be like be a good listener and kind of reflect that? Or are you looking to build coping skills? Are you looking to kind of um, go through some traumatic things that have happened in your past and deal with deal with like a trauma history? Are you you know what is it that are your your goals for your time with a counselor and then sharing that with the counselor so they know what you're looking for um, and then they can kind of um, adjust what they're doing with you to that um, approach. And also, you know, kind of interviewing the counselor. If you're going to find a private counselor, you know, an outpatient therapist, you know, not being afraid to ask, like, what's your, um, what is your 
take on counseling? Like, what's your approach? What's your um, background? You know, what are your specialties? So kind of like interviewing them and, and finding a good fit before you like invest all that time and emotional energy and, it was, and weeks of, you know, <clears throat> going into something that might not be the best fit. I guess just kind of balancing like off of those like statements I feel like communication like with the counselor like I feel like communication is just kind of it's something I guess we've been talking about for the past however long like communication really can be key just being able to vent that's communication talking with a counselor communication you really want to I feel like that's something that could really help a lot of like people get a better experience with a counselor uh, just have a better kind of experience overall with whoever they're deal- dealing with. Yeah, and so besides counseling, um, there are also other places, other people that you can look to for help in times of um, having difficulties with mental health. And I think one of those biggest ones is friends because you know in high school we have all our friend groups and we have we build really close friendships in this time so what are some kind of positives and negatives of using friends as kind of a way to express your feelings and talk about mental health um pros is that they already know you (laughs) like they they know you they know how you are they they kind of know how to respond usually um but uh, it's it's really important to keep in mind that your friends are not professionals, mm-hmm. and like it can weigh on them too. Yeah. Um, and of course, that's not discouraging talking to your friends. It's just that make sure that that's not the main thing that you go to them for, and make sure that like, hey, can I can I talk to you about this? Is it okay? Are you fine with that? Rather than just completely dumping it onto them. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember that your friends are not professionals and they are not going to always give you the most solid advice. So there's something to be said about having a shared experience and your friends are going through the experience with you. Your teachers are kind of, but not necessarily in the same way. Um, but, you know, there's, there's just a, a natural connection by, I'm in Mr. B's class and so is this person. And we can talk about that and, you know, Mr. B was a grump today, or Mr. B was, you know, really happy today, or whatever it is. Like, you can have that shared experience, and that's really nice. But, like you said, it's, they're not paid to do this. So, yeah. like, <laughs> but it, it, it is nice to talk to, to them. Point. Yeah. Like, yeah. share with, share with them. Um, but when it, when it gets to a point that they're, like, the only person you go to for help, it, yeah. maybe you should consider seeing somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Friends are not professionals. They can always be really helpful. Um, But also, I know I've, you know, looked through articles and a lot of times, um, like if your friend says something that doesn't sit well with you, it's just, it's really important to know that they are not professionals. And although they maybe said something that kind of didn't sit right with you, like they still probably have every best intention in mind. They still want to help you, except they just may not know how. So that being said, as a friend, how can you help? <laughs> well, um, I, I have always been kind of like the mom friend mm-hmm. where like, I always have like ibuprofen in my bag. I always have extra this, extra that. Like, do you need me to care for you? I will care for you. <laughs> um, and I, it's important to be a very, very good listener. Um, listen to them, um, make, like, a thoughtful response, and if there is something you can do to help, um, help them to the best of your ability, but don't push yourself. Um, if, if it gets to the point where you, you, you start to feel, um, exhausted, or maybe you feel like it's weighing on you, definitely tell them about it, um, but, you know, just talk to them, uh, give them, your best advice, you know, um, just, just being there for them in general. And even just being like someone who listens, even if you, even if you don't respond, just being there for somebody to listen to them can improve their mood significantly. I, I know I think I found that talking to students, like just looking them in the eye and knowing that they have, or you, they have your full attention and just being able for them to say what they need to say and just listening to what they're saying and, you know, shaking your head, agreeing or whatever, 
and it's not even that you have to fix it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, they might not, there might not be a way to fix it at that moment, but like just knowing that there's somebody available that they can say this to and they feel comfortable saying it to them can take a huge weight off of your shoulders. Um, so, you know, you know, you have two ears and one mouth you should be listening twice as much as you're talking is the way I always, you know, the way I always go about my teaching, you know, in class. Like, I, sh- I want to hear what you have to say. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit, but I really want to hear what you have to say. And that goes for a lot of things. So. I think another um, aspect of being a good friend is being somebody that's trustworthy. And so when somebody discloses something personal to you, not sharing it with other people, um, and so people know that, that you can they can talk with you in confidence. Um, and the exception to that, of course, is if you feel, if your friend is sharing with you anything like that they might be hurt, thinking about hurting themselves or others, um, that's a time when the good friend thing to do is to share that information with somebody that can actually help. Um, and I know a lot of times students really do struggle with that because a friend will disclose to them that they're maybe having thoughts of hurting themselves and they're like, oh, I don't want to break their confidence, and um, they're going to be mad at me. And in the moment, they might be upset, but in the long run, they're going to be so thankful, and it's doing the right thing to share and break confidence when you're concerned that the person might hurt themselves or others. Um, And so going to a counselor or a teacher, just really any adult, and and connecting them with, um, with the services that they need to make sure that they're safe is so important. I find with uh, like friendships, I find that one of the key advantages they have over, like uh, I guess specifically, I'm kind of thinking of what Katie was talking about earlier with her kind of negative experience with a counselor. I would think that counselor probably had a couple like uh, more than just like Katie that she kind of had to talk to and was counseling. Would you say like, do you have any idea like? I don't know. Um, I, I, I would say probably quite a few because she was the only one in the area, um, and she's the one that my doctor immediately referred me to, so I'm sure it was plenty of people. So with that, I, I always found that, like, I, don't, I couldn't really expect, like, someone like a counselor like that to really be able to, like, listen and really manage, like, <clears throat> kind of files on couple like maybe a couple dozen people that she has to be talking to and all that so a friendship is I find that just a lot more advantage advantageous because you have that friend's full like attention you have that friend's like full just everything like they're not managing like 20 other people that she's kind of talking to like trying to care for and that just is a much more powerful relationship, I find. And I will say, yeah, that's absolutely true. But I will um, still highlight what Dr. Coleman said in that, like, as a friend, your primary job would be to listen and to support. So I think there's a very clear line between just being a friend and, like, being a good listener and just supporting your friend who might be having a bad day or like being there to listen if they want to talk about their mental health um there's a really clear line between that and saying okay this needs to be put into the hands of a professional now um so what can schools do to better help their students with mental health because i know we said guidance offices often see so many different students and often um a single counselor like they may not even know all their students' names who are assigned to them, so it can sometimes feel like a pretty impersonal relationship. So what can both the student experiencing mental health and the counselor do to try and build that rapport and build a relationship, even though it's, it might feel impersonal? This is a really like small thing, but like having like activities in your like little counseling office um in I believe it was eighth grade when I would go to see my counselor like I'd walk in and she was like you want to color and I was like yes (laughs) so like little things like that where you find things that they like to do rather than just sit down in front of me and we'll talk for maybe 20 minutes and then I'll send you back to class you know give give the student something to do um and I've like personally in my experience I've found that that definitely builds more of a relationship with the counselor because like oh 
they've recognized something that I like to do. They know something about me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a comforting thought to be able to go in and know that they're going to, they're, they're going to probably assume that I'm going to, you know, want to do this or want to do that. It's, it's, it it just makes it more personal. I think that's a great idea. I have a sand tray in my office that students, some students love it. Some students just push it away and they don't want anything to do with it, but it's there. And then, you know, like little squishy toys, just different things to fidget with. I like doing those things personally. Um, I think building the relationship with a counselor, kind of back to your question, Jenny, about that. I think for students to know, I mean, the counselors here are amazing. I've, like I said earlier, this is my first year here, and I've been so impressed with all of them that they love their jobs, they love working with students. Like their heart is here to serve you all and to just build that relationship. That's what they want. So even though they have a lot of students, they want to know you. They want to help you. Um, so know that that's where they come from, and don't ever feel like you're a burden on them or that you can't go to them. And then just really advocating for your own needs. Like if you have something that you need the counselor to help with you know, step up and say, like, sign in on that computer and say, hey, I need to talk to you about X, Y, and Z. Um, And don't be afraid to seek them out um, because that's what they're here for and that's what they want to be here. They want to be helping you guys with with those things. So, um, yeah, so we already kind of talked about what to do if a friend is experiencing mental health issues at that moment. So what can we do if a friend is um, experiencing a mental health crisis? Like, and I, and I know, Dr. Holman, you said that um, crisis is kind of a word that is debatable, but if there is a clear emergency, like, yeah. what would you do in that moment? Um, I think it de- depends on, like, the level of the emergency. But I'll give you one example of a situation I had when I was, was before I was working here. Um, it was a couple, it was at, at nighttime, and a two high school couple, um, and they broke up over texting or on the phone, whatever. They, they broke up in the evening. They were each at their own houses. And one of the um, students said to the other one, um, I just, that's it, I don't have a reason to live anymore. I'm, I, I can't remember her exact wording, but it was something to the effect that made him feel like she might take her life. Um, so he, um, they got off the phone, he kept trying to call her back, she wouldn't respond, she wasn't, she wasn't answering. And so he went and he told his mom, um, and they called the sheriff's department, and the sheriff's department went over and did a safety check. Um, and they knocked on the door, and the mom answered the door, and, and her, you know, was just like really confused and had, was like, why is there a deputy standing on my door? Um, but they called the girl down. She had been in the shower, and she was, she turned out she was totally fine. She wasn't really having suicidal thoughts. She was okay. But um, I just that example always sticks in my mind because, what if she hadn't been okay? You know, and he did the right thing. That was so hard for him to do. I know he was one of my students. Um, because he felt like he was betraying her trust and he was like oh my gosh what are they going to think when like a deputy is at their door like you know but he was really scared for her and and she gave him reason to be scared and so I think if you're in a situation where you're immediately worried about someone's safety you need to make sure that they're okay and how you go about doing that you know telling an adult getting a uh the, the sheriff's department does safety checks all the time where they'll just go over and say, hey, we're just checking in. We got a report that maybe things aren't okay. Is so-and-so okay? And meet with them and check and make sure they're all right. So I think <clears throat> if it's to that level, do the brave, hard thing and reach out and make sure you're sending somebody to, to be certain that the person's okay. Um, if it's something kind of less um, immediate, uh, where you can just feel like, you know, you could report it to the counselor, like, hey, I've noticed this behavioral change in this friend and these kind of warning signs, and I'm just feeling uncomfortable. I'm not sure what's going on with them. They're not really talking to me. Could you check in? You know, then, then maybe just that would be more appropriate to, to reach out that way. So kind of just depends on the severity of, of what's going on, but um, definitely encourage people to, to notice and then act appropriately by getting help when, when needed. Um, this was years and years ago, but the, the, the survey that I have my students fill out on the first day of school, um, I had a student um, talk about cutting themselves. And so, you know, that I had never had that happen before because it's a first day survey. <laughs> um, so I, I uh, went down to the guidance counselor and I said, you know, I'm not sure exactly what this is, but I think maybe we should talk to them. And it was hard for me because I was like, well, they said that to me 
should I just, should I say it to somebody else? You know, like, I don't want to break their trust as a first day student in my class. And so um, I was like, it's better to be safe than sorry. So I went down and told the guidance counselor, they called her down. And the next day she came in and she said, and I was, I was like, uh-oh, what's she going to say to me? <laughs> and she was like, she's like, I appreciate that you call, you cared enough to call, have me call down to the guidance counselor. Like, she looked at it like, I cared enough to, to, to say something. Yeah. And it turned out that it was not that big a deal. It's something that she had done in the past and, you know, she hadn't done it for a while. And um, we actually had a great relationship from that situation because she knew that I had her back, you know, like that I, she, I was somebody she could come to if she needed something. So, you know, it was, it was a scary thing when it was happening, like, what should I do? Mm-hmm. But it was kind of the same thing that Dr. Coleman was saying, like, it's better to be safe than sorry. I would rather this not be a bad thing. Yes. Um, and it actually ended up being a great thing um, as, as far as the relationship between me and the student. So. If- um, I think that if the situation is um, less severe, I think a, a big thing as a friend to have is patience, for sure. If maybe the friend is, like, hysteric and they're, like, freaking out, you know, um, they're not they're, their brain isn't processing things as well as it should. It, things aren't, you know, they're not thinking clearly. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've handled situations like that before where... You just have to be patient, and, like, you may have to repeat yourself, you know, like, you, I mean, this is very, like, cliche and, like, doled down, but it's like, hey, you're not an awful person, and they're like, I'm so awful, I'm horrible, and, like, and you just have to be like, no, you're not, calm down, and you'll have to say that a lot, but in the long run, having that patience and not getting frustrated and giving up on it is Mm -hmm. very, very important. And just encouraging your friends, and, you know, like you said, like, you're not an awful person. You're a great person. You're so much fun. I love being your friend. You've done this for me and this for me. Like building each other up. I just think that's so powerful because we all get down and it always feels good to have somebody tell us, you know, something that they like about us. And so um, doing that for our friends, I think, is super important. I found, I guess, in that way, like just overall being there for like a friend, like just be willing to like go on a call for like three hours with someone just to like really like make sure that they are fine they're good and I guess as said tell them they're great like those three hour calls are something different really (laughs) (laughs) I've been on I have been on so many phone calls with my friends that have gone until like three in the morning and we're just like oh it's 3 a.m we should probably go to bed now (laughs) yeah so what are some things um I know we've started talking about like being a good listener again. So what are some things that, like, as a person with mental health or as a friend, like, what are some things that you just should not say to a person who is mentally ill? I definitely think that you should never, um, I'm trying to think of the word, you, you shouldn't ever, like, dismiss it. No, I, being dismissive is never the right thing to do. Um, and, like, you know, just kind of being, like, well, you'll be all, like, you'll be all right, don't even, like, think about it, and telling them, giving the advice, like, I know some people may think that, like, some people can do this and it's fine, but telling them to just not think about it, and telling them to just think about something else and just forget it, um, you know, it's, it's really important to actually, even if you don't want to, even if it's totally, like, begrudgingly when you do it, go into your feelings and like feel them <laughs> just just experience it and and think about it and you know talk about it with people instead of suppressing anything or being dismissive about it it's really important to literally feel your feelings i think one thing to not do is to not put up pressure on yourself to think that you have to have all the answers or that you have to fix it um and and know that it's okay to say to your friend like I'm so sorry you're going through this. Like, I, I wish that I knew what to do to make it better. Like, how can I help you? How can I support you? I don't know what to say. Like, I, I wish I could take it from you, but I can't. Like, you know, and, and just admitting, like, when you feel, like, powerless, because sometimes that's, that is the way it is. But um, not being overwhelmed by the fact that there's nothing you can do, because a lot of times there's nothing you can do except for being a supportive person. And like Mr. Benovich was saying earlier, 
you know, a lot of times you can't change the situation, but all they need is just like somebody to be present with them in the situation and be, be there, be a good empathetic listener. I've dealt with that a lot in, um, especially in eighth grade. I remember specifically talking to my counselor about how much of a people person or a people pleaser rather that I was and that if I, I, I felt like I had to fix everybody. I felt like that if I couldn't fix it, then like I was an awful friend for not knowing what to do. And there was a lot of pressure and it really got to me. Um, but there's, it comes to a point where even sometimes saying to your friend, I mean, of course, when, when, when they're in a, like an emergency situation, of course, it's maybe not, it should, it, it's not the best idea. But if things are kind of like laying low and they're just, you know, they're, they're venting or they're ranting, sometimes it's okay to say, hey, actually, I'm not really in the, in the best mental space right now. Can we maybe talk about this later or can I call you back another time? I'm just not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that a lot in my relationship with my boyfriend who, I mean, we've been together for three years and there have been times where both of us are like really angry or really sad and we have told each other like, I love you and I'm sorry, but I cannot do this right now and I just need to talk to you later. And it's, it works out. Um, being able to, also being able to handle when somebody tells you, I'm really sorry, I can't, I feel like I can't help you right now. Um, it, it takes a lot, but it ends up helping in the long run. Yeah, I think we, as a listener, a lot of times with my friends, I kind of walk a line between just trying to just listen and say like, okay, yes, I'm hearing you, this is what you're saying to me, and then also kind of giving advice. Because sometimes I know um, as some someone who is mentally ill, just legitimately, they just aren't thinking rationally. And I think, um, I don't know, is it really the friend's job to point that out? Um, or at least just to a certain extent, um, because I think as friends, I've read um, different forums and stuff where um, a friend will have another friend tell them like, oh, just be happy or just, yeah, as Katie was saying, just just kind of dismissing it. Gross. Yeah, and being <laughs> ignorant about mental health is one thing. Um, if you just sincerely don't know something about it, yeah, that's one thing. Um, it would be a good to thing to, like, you know, read up on it, try to learn about it, but I think it's excusable to say that, yeah, I, I don't know much about this, but that's not an excuse to say, to just dismiss that the person has a problem. So, yeah, so, I don't know, what would be the line there between just listening and maybe pointing out that your friend has something wrong? Because I know sometimes um, people will even say that they don't have a mental health, um, mental health problem at all, except maybe they do. So what would you do in that situation if you think there's something wrong, but the person kind of denies it? That's hard because, you know, it's um, people need to, awareness is like the first step to change. So, you know, and, and sometimes it can take people a while to, to come around to that awareness. So I'd say just trying to maybe do it in a gentle way, like, hey, I've noticed, you know, every day this morning, every day this week, it seemed like, you know, you've been really down or like, I've noticed, you know, for the past couple of months you have been, you know, like instead of saying, I think you have depression, you know, maybe pointing out some of the symptoms like in a kind of kind and gentle way. Um, and saying, you know, have you ever thought about maybe talking to somebody about this? Or, you know, I've, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it can be hard um, to, to bring that up with friends. But, and, then, and then I thought that I like that, like, Oreo method of when you have something maybe, like, people might not want to hear, giving, like, a positive and then the negative and then the positive again. So, you know, just giving them a really kind, like, some affirmation type comment and then saying kind of what you're concerned about and then giving them another really kind comment like I just care about you so much and you know I just think this this and this is like so great and I just want to support you and so to hopefully help them to hear it and not feel judged or attacked or like you're you know I think in general people don't really like to be given advice you know like it's kind of like I don't know maybe a little bit off-putting so Mm -hmm. to do it in a way that's um, just where the person can hear it and receive it can kind of take some finessing but like kind of less telling like kind of less telling them what to do and like it's it's not really you're telling them what to do but it can feel like that yeah um making it less you know assertive and saying maybe like you should do this you should do this saying have you ever thought about this you know has this ever crossed your mind um Mm -hmm. you know rather than saying like 
rather than saying, I'm sure this is happening and this is all it is, rather than like, mm, maybe it's this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't Yeah, so I know that um, in society we have become more open about mental health and talking about mental health, which is spectacular. However, what else can we do to keep making um, mental health a more open topic? I think one thing is just putting out the message of like, like a hopeful message out there because really when people are struggling with mental health issues there is hope out there like you do not have to be struggling alone there are wonderful treatment approaches lots of different they're making so many advances every day in treatment approaches for different disorders and disabilities and so I think just raising awareness that there's there's help out there and you if you're struggling with something it doesn't mean that you have to struggle forever and to to encourage people to reach out and get help um, and, and just a hopeful message. I think that that is really, um, we, you know, we need to talk about that and, and spread that message of hope. Yeah, so then, um, not that you want to make, like, a, a friendship with the person based off of, like, a script, but if you've never talked to any, if you've never talked to your friend before or if you've never talked to a person before about mental health at all, how do you start that first conversation? Well, um... I have, um, what, what I've done before is, you know, if I've noticed that somebody who's my friend, you know, fairly recently, or like, I just don't talk to them a lot, if something's clearly wrong, um, usually I'll go up and give them the option and say, hey, would you like to talk about it, or would you prefer to be alone right now? Mm-hmm. And, um, if the answer is, let's talk about it, then hey, let's talk about it. If it's, I want to be left alone, um... Of course, if you think there's something seriously wrong, seriously wrong, you should maybe talk to somebody else who knows them better, or you know, say, hey, maybe can you go check on her or him or whoever. Um, but afterwards, after they've calmed down, saying, hey, what was that about? Or like, you know, when when they're more in a calm state of mind, or they're, you know, they're thinking more clearly, you can talk to them about it after the fact, and um, just being a comforting, kind listener, making it easier for them to come back to you if they have another issue. And, like, personally, um, whenever I'm upset about something, my first reaction is just kind of withdraw and um, just kind of I want to be left alone. And that's the way I deal with it, except I think that makes it harder for me sometimes to talk to other people. Because if I see someone who's maybe going through it at that moment, my first reaction would be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm gonna like, let them be for now. And, like, that's just that's not everyone's response. That's not what everyone needs. So I think it's important to know that, like, it's going to take effort. Like, if you're going to help someone, it's going to take effort on your part as well as their part. So um, are there any last things you'd like to say about mental health? No? I just want to say thank you so much for doing this podcast. I think, you know, talking about reducing the stigma and, like, spread, spreading the message of hope, you, you having these podcasts is, is just taking a step yeah. on that path. So thank you so much for doing this. I guess uh, for me, like, kind of seconding that, like, you know, like, getting the word out, having, like, awareness out there, like, trying to, that that's the first step to real social change. Like, once people are aware of something, once people really know something, then we can possibly get past, like, the ignorance and, like, all that that we were talking about earlier, and then people might really understand each other a bit better, and this might become a bit more of a better situation for a lot of people. Um, one thing I definitely want to say is that, um, like, for anyone listening, like, give your friend a hug. Text your friend right now and just be like, hey, you're an awesome friend and I really appreciate you. Just little tiny acts of kindness can go so, so far. Yes. Um, anything that you can do, just say, hey, how was your day? Or, like, maybe somebody that you haven't talked to in a while, try to reconnect. Like, you know, just, just check up on people, be nice to people. Um, show them these little acts of kindness and they will love you so much for it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really lucky to have good friends that'll occasionally be like, hey, are you okay? And like nothing happened, but they're, they're checking on me anyway. And I think to myself like, wow, these are such good people in my life. You know, it's just doing those things can go a long way. Oh, and what, sorry, one, (laughs) one last thing that I just, I, I wanted to bring up, um, Give yourself a you day. Um, like, self, self-care, self-love, super important. 
uh, love yourself, do things for yourself that are, you know, nice. Just take a me day and just relax for a little bit. It's so nice. So definitely, if you're ever having thoughts that maybe your mental health is not 100%, if you're just not feeling very good that day, the biggest thing is just talk to someone. And if that person doesn't really um, give you the response that you really think you needed in that moment, talk to someone else. Like there are always people out there for help and you deserve that help. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>